just lift your heart toward him today. Hallelujah. Let him express his love toward you today. Embrace his outreach. building today leave here with an understanding of your love for them a love that supersedes any other love a love that caused you to lay down your life for us we pray father that in these moments that your love will be manifest and real in us today. Father, I pray this morning that you break the orphan spirit off of people's minds and their lives. We're not orphans. We have a Father that loves us loves us unconditionally and we thank you for that love today <laughs> Jesus name Jesus name hallelujah well, let's give him praise for his love today his grace week we talked about during this time of consecration and prayer that uh, some of the foundational understanding of why we are here, who we are at the tabernacle. And one of those foundations is, is that we are a multi-generational church. We do that on purpose. It was not by accident. It was not by coincidence, but it was on purpose that we are what we are today, a multi-generational church. I talked to you about some of those foundational principles last week. I want to push on that just a little further here today. In Judges chapter 16 and verse number 20. Judges 16 and verse 20. Following there, it said, And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him probably one of the saddest statements in the Bible to be in such a spiritual state to not even know the presence of God is gone. 
said, I'll go and shake myself. But he didn't even know the glory of God or the presence of God had departed. And then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him to, down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow back again after it had been shaven. And then now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered unto our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. And so it happened when their hearts were merry that he said, Call for Samson, and they that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between two pillars. And then Samson said to the lad who had come, helped him by the, held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple and so that I may lean on them. And now the temple was full of men and women and all the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the rooftop while Samson was performing. When Samson called unto the Lord saying, Lord God, Remember me, I pray, strengthen me, I pray just once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. He braced himself against them, one on the right and one on the left. And Samson said, let me die with these Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might and the temple fell and the lords of all the people were there. And so they died that were all killed at his death were more than they that he killed in his life. Father, take our time together today and make it most effective in Jesus' name. Amen. By the time that we pick up the story on Samson here in chapter 16, there he is not a stranger to the power of God. He has experienced the power and the presence of God upon his life on many occasions. One uh, occasion, it, it was when he was alone and a lion came out Uh, After him, the Bible speaks of it, that he roared against him. And he went and killed that lion with his bare hands. That's a man's man right there. That's a bad dude. Whenever you can grab a hold of a lion and destroy it with your bare hands. He returned later and the Bible says he returned back. And the next time he returned, he found honey in the carcass of that lion. He, he found strength from the carcass. What, what at one time in his life was trying to kill him, now he finds strength in it today. And I, it speaks to me that tells me that what's trying to kill me today, if I remain faithful, I will be able to feed off of it tomorrow. It will not be always be a struggle, but it will be my victory will bring about the, the blessing of a strength and growth on tomorrow. 
Not only did he kill a lion, but the scripture tells us that the Philistines had come against him and he takes three, uh, catches 300 fox, ties their tails together, puts a, a fire in between each of them and turns them loose in the fields. And, and one time he destroys all of the Philistines' harvest. It speaks to me and tells me that what the enemy has sown against us, if we will stand up for God, that we can destroy it in a moment's time. Amen. It will come down. Another time he has a jawbone of a donkey and that all that he has and a thousand men are coming against him. And the Bible says that he killed a thousand men with one jawbone. Amen. It, it is something that, that his actions and his ability was so over the top that everybody knew that it was not something that mere man could do. They understood that Samson had a supernatural power that was working on his life, operating in his life, that enabled him to be able to do these great feats. And so what he is looking there, asking him, where does your power lie? Delilah is an assignment of the enemy to try to get to him and find out his strength and find out where it is that this supernatural natural power comes from. You know the story, how he plays with God, how he plays with this anointing that's upon his life and, and finally gives in to the enemy and, and tells the enemy where his strength is at. But you see, what I uh, come to understand is, like Samson, a lot of people have testimonies and we're thankful for testimonies. We're thankful because we have a testimony of salvation. We have a testimony of healing. We have a testimony of answered prayer. We have a testimony of how God has moved upon our life. And, and we become thankful and grateful for that, for the encounters of God that we have experienced. And it's evident that his blessing is upon our life. And we thank God that we were able now to have a testimony of what God has done. And as thankful as we are with the testimony, the only problem is we have to ask ourselves, what is God doing in the now? What is God doing in the now? What is it that God is doing in us now? What will be our testimony tomorrow? For you see, when we have relationship with God, an ongoing perpetual relationship will continue to produce testimonies in our life on an ongoing basis. And so it was with Samson that he come to a place where he could remember he had this testimony of the things that God had done, but Yet we look and see that we can sometimes get satisfied with what God has done in our life. But my question today is, is there anybody hungry for his presence in the now? Is there anyone that says, thank God for what has been, but I need him today. I need God to move on my behalf today. I need to experience him fresh and anew in my life today. If we have that kind of passion, if we have that kind of desire, God will manifest himself. He will reveal himself and he will show himself faithful every day of our lives. 
What's my relationship now? Am I having an experience with him now? By this time, Samson is no longer a young man. By this time, he has he's take, took, has taken some lickings and he's hung right in there. By this time, he's fought some enemies. By this time, he knows the presence of God. He knows the favor of God. He knows what it is to call upon God and the power of God to come upon his life. But you see, he was in an old covenant that said that the spirit of the Lord would come upon a person. The spirit of the Lord would come upon a thing. It didn't abide there forever. But today we are living in a better covenant. Today we are living in a New Testament covenant. Today we're living in the covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ in which it it, it, it has brought a brand new experience and relationship with God where that his blessing and his anointing does not just come upon us when we need it. The Bible said of David when he grabbed hold of the lion and the bear, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. It was whenever you need it when you stretched your hand out when you put your hand to do a thing the anointing would come for you to do the task but now we are New Testament believers and the Bible says know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and so now the Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon us but it lives within us and so every day of our lives unlike Samson it had to come upon him it's already in us but we need a stirring today. We need the spirit of God that is within us to be stirred up until there is a passion and the fire of God cannot be put out. It's one thing to sing songs about it. It's another thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to live in the glory. It's another thing to stir up the fire and the power and the passion of God that is on the inside of us and say, we will not be satisfied with what was because we believe there is yet to come and we are believing God for what is yet to come in our life. You believe it, give him praise today. And after 20 years of seeing God's power, after 20 years of being the leader, after 20 years of of seeing supernatural things taking place and and calling on God and God moving miraculous, Samson finds himself in a place he has never found himself before. He finds himself shaking himself and realizing the glory of God, the presence of God, the anointing of God has been removed off of his life. Let me just stop and pastor a moment and say that I'm thankful for grace. I'm thankful for the umbrella of grace that is up over our life. Uh, and, and we know today that what God has given us, it isn't fragile. It's, it's stronger than, than people give it credit for. But I also want to say on the other side of that, that we've got to be careful not to be playing games with God because we can poke holes in the canopy of his grace. And that's exactly what Samson did. He didn't know about grace, but he played 
played with it long enough and he went out there to see how far out on the edge he could go and still keep the anointing. How far he could go and dabble with the world and continue to experience God in supernatural ways. And I'm thankful for God today that he blesses us and just because God moves upon our life and just because we can experience him doesn't mean we've got everything right. Amen. It's his grace that will reveal his goodness in our life. It it isn't mean that we merited it. It isn't that we've got it all together, but it is because of his grace and his mercy that he reveals himself to us. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll be like Samson and we'll dabble around in the world and we'll, we'll fool around with things we shouldn't be fooling around with. And we'll do things and go places and see things and it's going to catch up with you. I said it will catch up with you. You may be able to do it today and we, we make the grave mistake because we think we've done it once and, it, and we still got it. That it's okay with God. But the reality is it isn't okay with God. It's just his grace. Amen. And some folks stretch his grace. But Samson was playing around, dabbling around, seeing how far he could stretch this thing. And suddenly he he gets out there so far that his relationship with God, he didn't even know God had went anywhere. He didn't even know God would, it, and I'm, I'm concerned about a modern day church today that, 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 that if, if God, you know, we know God doesn't go anywhere. We know his grace covers us, but if God was to remove his hand from us, would we even know it? Or would we just keep on going with church the way we do church? Would we keep on because you see, there are some things that we get in habit of doing. And you can get in habit after a few years, you can get in a habit of just singing songs and you can get in a habit of just going to church and you can get in habits. There are some good habits that you can have, but there isn't no manifestation of power. There isn't no passion in your heart. It's one thing to sing a song, but are you singing it in the glory? It's another thing to, to worship God, but are you just lifting hands or is there a heart behind those hands? Is there a shout behind your dance you see because the reality is that God isn't concerned about your hands he's not concerned about your mouth he's concerned about your heart and out of the abundance of the heart there comes an overflow and if you lift your hands it's ought to be a representation of your heart that says God I can't reach you but I'm going to stretch for you God I can't uh, uh, serenade you but I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to bless your name because you are worthy of my praise you are worthy of my worship and I'm going to do everything I can to bless your holy name amen Samson looked and seen the glory had departed and the Bible said that they put took him immediately and the first thing they did is pluck his eyes out they didn't break his legs They didn't break his arms. If I'm dealing with somebody that I think can take me down and I have the opportunity, the first thing I'm going to do is disable them from hitting me. Huh? But they realized this was not a natural power. 
they realized he was seeing something they couldn't see. He was able to do what they could not do. It was a supernatural power. The first thing the enemy wants to do is take your vision. Because if you, you can be able to walk, but if you can't see where you're going. Amen. You may still have strength in your hands, but if you can't see the target, nobody's going to be scared of you. Come on, somebody. And the enemy knows that if he can take vision from you, a people without a vision will always perish. You aren't going anywhere without vision. And so here he is and they pluck his eyes out and now they put him to working for them. The enemy wants you to, to be his taskmaster. He, he wants to put you to work for him. But now Samson finds himself after 20 years of ministry, after doing all of these things and experiencing the power of God, after all of this time, you would think anything that came his way he would be indestructible you would think that he would be able to handle anything but now after 20 years of experiencing God being a leader he finds himself stuck stuck in a place he's never should be have you ever been stuck you're praying but you're stuck. You're reading the Bible, but you're stuck. You keep on coming to church, but you're stuck. You're pushing, you're moving, but you're making no progress. Huh? You see, when you're tied to the meal, the scenery never changes. You're always moving, but you're not going anywhere. The same thing you seen yesterday, you're seeing again today. The same problems, the same emotions, the same mindset, the same failures, the same disappointments. Just the same old thing. You're pushing, you're plowing, you're working, you're doing all you can do. But it's the same old, same old because you're stuck. You're stuck in that circle motion. You're stuck and going through but never making any progress. It was the problem with the children of Israel. They got stuck. It isn't that we don't have a great promise. It's that we get stuck between the promise coming and receiving the promise. And we can't break out of this circular motion of continual perpetual movement, but not making any progress. And the children of Israel turned what should have been a matter of day journey into a 40 year wilderness wandering. Why? Because they were stuck. Amen. You see, it's a bad thing. It's a sad thing to be stuck. And Samson found out that in the middle of what everything in the prime of his life, in a time when he should be making progress, in a time when everything that he had done should now be coming to fruition, and he should have just about coming into a season of enjoying the labor of his life. Instead of enjoying it, he finds himself stuck, bound by his enemy 
Amen. Many times like Samson, we take for granted God's anointing, his grace over our life. But Samson is now not as young as he used to be. Samson is not the one that he, the young man that was full of vigor and vitality. He is not the man, young man that he was when he caught those 300 fox. He is not the man that he was when he stepped out there with a jawbone and took out a thousand men in one day. He was bad. He, he, the anointing would come and he would go out there, but now that anointing isn't there. Now his age is catching up with him and now he finds himself and instead of enjoying the things of God he finds himself working for the enemy he cannot see vision has been taken from him I told somebody the other day it's terrible getting old I'm sure some of you can tell me more about it, but I just, I like to read without having to have glasses and I'm all jacked up. Put one set on to see far away and can't see nothing close and then got to get something else out. I know none of you know none about that, right? But he lost his vision. He couldn't see into the future. He couldn't see into the distance. He lost his sight. You see, what it speaks to me concerning Mark Todd generations and generational, being a generational church, it speaks to me that he could not see what that generation that is coming up was doing. It's hard to understand another generation sometimes. Huh? Y'all ain't going to help me none today, are you? It's hard to change the motion. It's hard to get involved sometimes with another generation. I can understand older generations, the generations before me, better than I can understand the generations that are after me. I can understand my grandfather's generation. He, he lived with us most of my life growing up, and, or my mom's dad did anyways, and I can understand how that they worked and they labored. They were the builders. They built things. Amen. They would take a, a, a landscape, and in their generation, they would change the landscape, and they took pride in what they did. Huh? And they did it, and they did it well. Uh, you know, my father's generation learned, the mother's generation, they learned those work skills from them. If you're going to do something, do it well, right? And, and so they, they, they instilled that, that those were the generations. And I can understand that. I, I can understand that they are generations that whenever they uh, uh, became a part of something, they were a part of it. Yes. Uh, whenever they joined the church, they were a part of the church. They didn't just, they didn't, you didn't have to wonder, will they show up next week? They were there. They were there. Uh, you know, somebody asked me, said, Pastor, how come you, you know, you expect us to come to church so much? I'm going to expect you to come more. 
but they were at church, you know, this generation, they, we, don't, we don't understand, we, we, you know, and I ain't getting into all that, but, you know, whenever I was growing up, they, we had church on Sunday morning. Well, I say Sunday morning. It started in Sunday morning, Rich, but it was the afternoon before we got home. Uh, and then we, we had to go back to church because you might not have got it on Sunday morning, so you had to go back on Sunday night and get you some more. Huh? And, and there wasn't none of this thing about, well, the kids got school in the morning. Ah, oh, forget that. Yeah, glory to God. They, they, they just put you up under a pew and 11 o'clock you roll on up out of there and go home and sleep and get up and go to school. And then, 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 you know, we'd have Wednesday night service and, and then we'd have revival now that, that y'all know that it, it wouldn't work in this society, but we'd have revival. We'd have it in the middle of winter and we'd, we wouldn't just have seven days or three days or a Sunday, a super Sunday. We'd have, we'd have revival four, five, six weeks and never miss a night. Why? Because that generation was passionate for the things of God was hungry for the miraculous and for the supernatural. And even though they knew God, there was a hunger in them for more. Amen. They didn't just go to church, but they would be there for work days. They, they, was, they were a part of the church. They would take care of the church. They, whatever they involved themselves in, they involved themselves. Right? So I can understand that uh, generations behind me better than I can, uh, sometimes even my own, but I like my generation. Man. But then we have a next generation that's coming up. And, and they're, they're a little different. I don't understand them quite as well. That their music sounds different. Huh? Uh, it, it's a little different. Uh, they, they're, they're, how they think is different. You know, uh, uh, and I ain't, I'm not preaching against it. I ain't going around looking, but it, they got a lot of tattoos. I don't want nothing to do with a needle. Never mind putting ink in it and shooting it in me. Uh-uh. The devil is a liar. <laughs> Amen. If you got them, enjoy them. Praise God. But, you know, and I can even, I can kind of figure that out. You know, there's, there is some meaning to some of that stuff. But then, then the other thing, you know, that, that bothers, I can't quite figure out is some of them look like they fell face first in a tackle box. And they got stuff hanging out of their ears and their nose and their eyebrows. And I don't even want to know where the rest of it is. And I just don't understand. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I don't understand all of that. Ain't got me out here and ain't nobody going to help me. And then, but, but, but. Then, you know, to go to my son Jordan's generation and Destiny's generation, that generation, you know, and their, their music is, 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 is a lot different. The way they think is a lot different. I know that it has a lot to do with technology. I know that it has to do with because these behind me, they, they, it, it took so long to get a thing in motion, to get it moving, till it would take an entire generation just to shift a thing. 
But today, because of technology, you can sit in this room today and talk to people in Korea. Not even have a phone, not even have anything connected. You can be literally around the world. There's nothing that we cannot touch in a moment's time. You understand that technology has shifted everything until generations are moving and shifting and changing at a quicker rate than they ever have before. And so never mind me being able to understand my next generation, let alone the generation coming up. Amen. I told First Church church this morning, I said, you know, Jordan, I I love him and I'm proud of him. He's our son and, 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 you know, in their worship, he comes and he worships with us. But, you know, it isn't their kind of the worship they like, you know. And I hear him playing some stuff in his room that he's in there worshiping too. And I'm ready to get in the safe and go in there and kill something. Huh? But he's up in there worshiping. I peek in the door. He's worshiping God or he's praying and all of that. It, but why? Because that's, there's a different sound, right? There's always been a war in the church because sounds change from generation to generation. People touch God with different sounds and touch him in different ways. And the devil has kept us separated because of the sound of our generation. But Samson taught us something here that if we will embrace another generation that we can see the glory of God, that we can see the power of God. Never be afraid of another generation. Never be afraid of someone that is different than you are. Just understand that if they are connected to God, Holy Spirit is upon their life, then you're my brother and you're my sister and I need your difference in my life. I'd hate for everybody to be just like me. It would be a boring world. I can tell you that right now. But thank God for some spice. Thank God for some hot pepper and some salt. Huh? That brings out the flavor and makes everything wonderful. I can relate to generations behind me, but generations coming up, it's a challenge. It's a stretch from time to time. But when Samson got tired of going in the motions, when Samson got tired of going around in circles, when he got tired of going around and never making any progress, it's interesting to me because I, Bo, would have looked back to the generation behind me to help me. But he didn't look to the generation behind him for wisdom. He looked to a generation ahead of him for strength. Amen. For vision. Amen. For insight. Amen. And so what I want to say to you today is this. It it blows my mind, but watch this. He didn't ask that previous generation. He asked the generation that was coming up. He knew that that generation could see into the future. He knew that that generation knew what was on the horizon. They may not have the wisdom to deal with it, but Samson said, I'll take care of that. I just need somebody that can see into the future. I need somebody that can help me that's got vision. And Samson asked this younger generation, the Bible said that he asked 
helpless lad to lead him to the pillars. A child, a kid, he said, just lead me to the foundations. Lead me to the pillars of this place because you said, look, I may not be able to relate to you, but it doesn't stop me from loving you. I may not be like you and you may not be like me, but together we can do something great in the kingdom. Amen. And he takes this lad by the hand and he says, I want you to help me to go to the pillars and the foundation of this place. Why? Because all of the kings were there. All of the leaders of the Philistines were there. It speaks about bondage for years to come. Amen. But now because two generations unlike each other put their hands together and say, I can't see it. I can't understand it. But if you can just lead me to the place, if you can just take me to where the foundation, lead me to the stronghold, lead me to the place that is keeping generations in bondage. He said, even though I can't see, I can still pray. I remember when I prayed before and the anointing of the Lord came upon me and I slew a thousand men in one day. I remember when God came and that lion came out against me, but the anointing of the Lord came upon me when I prayed and I brought that lion to the ground. Lad, I can't see the stronghold. I can't see the root problem, but if you can lead me to where it's at, I'm not as young as I used to be. I don't have my vision anymore, but I still got some power. I still know how to pray. I still know how to bring down strongholds. I still know how to make war in the heavenlies. And if you'll just lead me to that place together, we will bring the strongholds down. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today that they are prophesying over America and saying the Christian church will be annihilated in this next generation. That only 2% of Americans in this generation that are now alive will go to a Christian church. But I've come today to stand in this pulpit and call the devil a liar and say not here, not in this place, not in this region. We're going to join hand in hand with generations. We're going to pull down the strongholds of drug addiction. We're going to pull down pornography. We're going to pull down the mindsets of this world and the kingdom of God will be exalted. Why? Because greater is he that is in us than he that has come against us. We've been made for this. I said we've been made for this. We've been created for this hour and it's time for the church to rise, take their place and say it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, this stronghold is coming down. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody praise him right here today. Come on, somebody praise him. I need a multi-generational church that'll open up their mouth and say, not here, not in this place, not in this region. You're coming down. This fight isn't about me. This fight is about me. It's about my children and my children's children. And this wall is coming down. This stronghold is coming down. We will not be 
known for our drug addiction. We will not be known because of a poverty state. We will not be known for depression and a suicide spirit. But I declare this valley will be known for the presence of God. Where signs and wonders and miracles flow. Where the anointing of the Holy Ghost will get a hold of you and shift your life and cause hell to come down and the kingdom of God to be exalted. Why? Because God has built us for such a time as this. He has called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. He is depending upon us for such a time as this. Our community is depending upon us for such a time as this. The government can't do anything about it. We can't organize it. We can't do anything in the world. But the church has the power to pull the strongholds down. Oh, come on and praise him today. Come on and praise him today. Come on, I need somebody to reach up in the heavens and pull strongholds down. Pull principalities down. This isn't just about you. It's about your children and your children's children. Hallelujah. We're going to fight this fight for them. Oh, come on, praise him today. Come on, praise him today. You mess with me and I'll go old school on you. Satan, your kingdom's coming down. Satan, your kingdom's coming down. I've heard the voice from heaven say, Satan, your kingdom's coming down. See, you didn't even know I knew that song. We're going to pray till we pray your kingdom down. We're going to pray till we pray your kingdom down. I've heard a voice from heaven say, Satan, your kingdom's coming down. Satan, your kingdom's coming down. Help. 
now. I dare you to sing it to him. Satan, your kingdom's coming down. I've heard the voice from heaven say, Satan, your kingdom's coming down. Gonna sing till I sing your Amen. Amen. 